0: Welcome to the Tightly Coupled Book Club. I'm Adji, joined by special guest host, Sasha Grodzins. Sasha's been a Rails developer since 2014, is a fellow graduate of Dev Bootcamp, and a colleague and friend of Mina and I from a previous gig. Sasha's first Rails version was 4.1.5. Lots that we have today that we didn't have then. This is before API mode and Rails DBC'd was still Rake DBC'd. Hi, Sasha. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, Aji, I'm doing so good today. Thanks. I actually still mostly type rake db seed and sometimes it still works. And then sometimes I get an error and I'm like, what, what's the problem? So I'm pretty stuck in my way making.
0: I wish there was a list of what is Rails now and what will still work with rake because yeah, sometimes those fingers just muscle memory.
1: Totally. I remember being in dev boot camp and just memorizing rake db seed. Rake db drop database, you know, it sticks with you.
0: So, I know this is something that we had in a lot of our projects at the company that we worked together. Was that a dev bootcamp thing to do DB YOLO that would drop, create, and reseed?
1: I definitely learned that there. I hope everybody has some alias to drop, create, migrate, and seed because when you're just playing around, you kind of need it.
0: Yeah. So, for this episode, we read Active Record callbacks in the Ruby on Rails Guides version 7.0.6. Sasha, did you learn anything that surprised you?
1: Ah, gee, I really did. I feel like I haven't spent a lot of time in these docs, and there are a whopping 25 callbacks that you can use. I think that's kind of incredible. It's a lot more than I expected, but when you put it all together, you have every step before, after, around, and then a couple variations of the things that you can change. So I guess I should have expected it, but I was really surprised.
0: I didn't expect the surface area of callbacks to be so big. Like you're saying, I've only ever used a small handful and been pretty wary of them. Spoiler alert for probably where this conversation is going to go. But what were uh, some of the new ones that you encountered?
1: I definitely think around. There are all these prefixes before, after, around. I think around is such a funny word to say. Conceptually, like, Around save, why don't you do the thing? It sounds like maybe it'll happen, and I know there's more to it than that. But from like a English perspective, I was like, when is that going to happen?
0: Right. It's much less precise than the other ones that you get a feeling of when it's going to happen. This is in the area of saving.
1: Totally. Did you have any that stood out to you?
0: The ones that stood out to me was after rollback. I didn't know there was that kind of hook into the whole transaction process. Right. I feel like transactions and rollbacks are pretty specific to the thing that you're doing. And so I'm not sure when I would use a sort of general purpose anytime it rolls back, run this code.
1: I feel like that's how they all are to me. I can think of a time I might want to use it. And then if I really dig in, when would you want to do that on all of your models? Every time you roll back on this user model, do this thing. It just sounds so intriguing.
0: Intriguing in air quotes. I think it's pretty telling that this page of the guides, even for how short it is, has so many big red blocks of text that are warnings or gotchas. It seems like every paragraph there's another. Be careful how you use this.
1: I almost don't think they're and red enough. Because you're right, in the Rails Guides, they use like a stop, hand up motion to say, look at this. They put it in red, and I really think it could be redder. But you're right, they do provide ample warning about some of the gotchas. It's hard to put into context. Again, I can imagine using these things, but I can't really imagine the downfall. But all anyone ever really talks about is the downfall. So you kind of have to wait it out and see what happens, experience it firsthand perhaps
0: there are patterns that you sort of have to have gone down that path and gotten bitten by it to really understand what the trade-offs might be.
1: There are a lot of head nods to that because I think that's definitely the right way to think about it. And I think, you know, when you're learning how to program with Rails and you're working with a more experienced developer, they're always like, stay away from callback hell. People are like, okay, but I would recommend people experiment with Callback out. Get into it. See what the pain is, because you learn best by doing. And nothing better than seeing a before create really bite you. Are
0: there interesting ways that a before create has bitten you? Is this leading into a story?
1: For sure. If you work with any legacy app, one of the best things to do is probably just search the whole repo for before underscore. See what comes up. Interesting. And go look for one that you want to understand better because it's probably going to take like at least 30 minutes of your time. And it's a great way to get to know the code base, kind of what was going on before you got there, what's acceptable and what's not in terms of call about. If you think about before create, it's exactly what it sounds like. Before you call create on the record, do a thing. It can be anything you want. Let's imagine you want to send an email to a, a person after you create I don't know, a new t-shirt for them. Weird example. But you can't do that before create, because if you get a rollback or anything goes wrong, you send an email before you actually create anything. And yet, you see it happen all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of nuance to when do these run, what can be rescued with a rollback, what is done when it's happened, right? For such a short page, there are a lot of hidden corners and nooks and crannies and ways that this can touch other parts of your code that you don't expect pretty easily.
1: And little rules and conventions they have documented as well in the red. Looking at the docs, it says avoid updating or saving attributes and callbacks. That makes sense. You should do that probably in your controller. But still, it does sound sensible if you're saying after you save the user, for the first time, marked them as onboarded. It put a Boolean true in a callback. Just go ahead and do it. But really, why well, do it there? You know, it could go somewhere else.
0: What would your somewhere else be?
1: Great question. Let's just say I'm, I can't save attributes in my callbacks. Okay. Probably I'd do it when the user was created. Or when they completed an onboarding, you probably have an endpoint there. They had to click a button. Probably somewhere in there, I could say user.update onboarding. True. That way, when you're going through the code, you're looking at the onboarding flow. It's all visible. Rather than you see it, click a button, you're like, okay, cool. So they're onboarded, but did that get saved anywhere? If you go look in the controller, it's there. If you look in a service class, where you update things. It's not there. Where is it? You can probably go get. It's in a callback. And if it's just like something more complicated than saving an update, then again, you're hunting for something you don't find where you expect it.
0: That gets back to something that Mina and I have talked about on the podcast plenty is that Rails magic, right? It helps you write less code, but then whole swaths of logic can be hidden somewhere and side effects coming out of the woodwork. And that's a real big danger for these callbacks. And that's why there are so many of these warnings in the guides here. Callback responsibly.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that a lot.
0: Something else that was a little surprising to me, but maybe shouldn't have given callbacks similarity to validations in a lot of ways, that you can make separate class for callbacks and share callback behavior between different models. That is something that had never occurred to me that I might need to do.
1: A hundred percent. Me too. And I I think we're pretty clear about our feelings on callbacks at this point. (laughs) Like we don't want to use them. Having a callback shared across multiple models, it sounds even trickier. It goes wrong in one place. Is it right for another place? But it's interesting you said the way they are similar to validations does make them a little less scary because validations we're more familiar with, we're more comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Validations are our friends.
1: Yes. The callbacks are less scary because you could have more control over them, potentially, like, get behind some more callbacks in the apps I see, but I don't actually think it'll help me that much.
0: As we were talking there, I did come up with one benefit to creating a callback class that I hadn't thought of until just now, is it makes it more testable in isolation. So maybe even if you're not going to share that behavior across other classes, you can really encapsulate that logic. But The thing that I'm most wary of with callbacks is still completely possible with these classes and extra testing is side effects and things happening that you might not know. Like you've got a controller, you create a record. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of other things going on and it was never intentional and it'll be hard to find if a bug pops up because of it.
1: That's an interesting case for easier testing. I'm intrigued. (laughs) You should try it. See if it helps.
0: Well, I have written a callback or two in my current project, even though I do sort of shy away from callbacks initially, generally prefer something like a service object or some kind of class that's going to encapsulate if we're using and coordinating between a couple of different models. But there is a time and a place for callbacks. So scary though they might be, I'd still prefer a sharp tool that I have to learn how to use well than not having it?
1: I don't want them to go away. They have value. I'm sure of it. I was talking to my husband about callbacks because I was thinking about this podcast and he was getting it. He's not a programmer, but he was like, okay, so you're saying the implementation of callbacks in the library or the framework is good, but your use of them is bad. <laughs> it's kind of hurt because it was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I want to make that clear to some team members on my current team who are learning Rails. I don't want to just poo-poo on callbacks and be like, callbacks suck. It is the way we use callbacks that sucks, and I bet should be clear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is an interesting situation to be able to have someone in your house that doesn't know these things, that you can have that explain like I'm five version of walking through so that you can kind of get your own head around a concept. That's something Mina and I don't have. That might be a really interesting tool to every now and then be able to be like, okay, you don't know programming. You don't know the players involved. But if I said that this is the system that we just set up, are you scared of that? Having a kind of outside view to gut check could be a really, really useful tool from time to time.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. You could have that non-programmer on the show someday and lay out some callback questions and have them just point out What's wrong? I mean, I'm sure because it's so English sounding, right? After create, around create, I'm sure anyone could find some issues like really quick, which could be really interesting.
0: You run programming principles by non-programmers one too many times and all of a sudden you have one less friend that will return your calls.
1: What feeling overcomes you when I say, Aji, I want to put in a conditional callback into your app right now?
0: Well, you can't see it on the recording, but my eyes started to twitch. Yeah. Conditionals add complexity so fast, and especially a place where I'm already worried about there being too much complexity. That just heightens that apprehension, and I wonder if there is somewhere else, like you were saying, the controller or... A service object that can handle and keep all of that logic in the same place that you're you're doing the thing that is conditional to. One of the blog posts that I know that you've read and I've read is Gusto's manifesto mm-hmm. for how to use active record callbacks. And conditionals are, are one of their no-nos in their code
1: base. Absolutely. They have a zero index list of five items, which I absolutely love and appreciate. So number four is avoid conditional execution. Essentially, their general rule is that they want callbacks to be idempotent and to be safe to run multiple times. And so let's assume your conditional statement is run this thing if you haven't done this other thing yet. going to have somewhat unclear times of when it's going to run. You have to do that mental math.
0: That was a, a really good point you make there mental arithmetic and parsing you have to do when you see a conditional, especially if it's got more than one condition in it. It looks like math when there are double ampersands, but if you put a bang in front of the parens and you've got an and inside, it doesn't work the way that you think it does. It's not intuitive. It's not the like transitive property and can cause some really complicated things that take a long time to get your head around before you can even start to approach
1: it. And if I see an unless and a bang in one line, I'm going to stop reading it. I have to go read the text or I have to put it in a Rails console. My brain cannot compute.
0: I I love that unless exists in Ruby, it takes away one of those steps to look at if and then you see the bang to invert it. But at the same time, I can't on the fly compute what it's trying to tell me. It feels like it's taken away a step, but I think sometimes it adds a step to my thought process.
1: Yes, me too.
0: Because callbacks have the same API for conditional running that validations do pass it a proc. You can use if only, unless, all of those different things. And that's one more way that interacting with callbacks is really similar to validations. And I really like that design choice from Rails. The more it can stick to familiar patterns, the more you can assume how something is going to work. And most of the time it does work. You're like, I think this is a thing, type something out and run it. And it's like, oh, that, yeah, that is a thing that worked.
1: I love that. I think thoughtbot has also a really good call about callbacks. They have their Ruby science, you know, love Ruby science. And they call callbacks a code smell. Like they just go right for it and say, if you've got a callback, you've got a code smell. I think being really hard on them like that is a good idea. Keeping people honest about why they chose to use a callback, probably you will come back to a code smell.
0: That's baked into the way Thoughtbot thinks. One of the phrases is strong opinions loosely held. So callbacks or code smells like we're going to start from there. But also, if you have a good reason and you understand it and you can explain it and it's easy for me to understand it pretty quickly, then I'm not going to die on too many hills.
1: I think that's great. That's a really careful and thoughtful, thoughtful way to approach any problem. There's never a never and that there is often you should not.
0: That's in there with it being a code smell, right? Not a we disable this in our apps. You should think about this, like know the dangers when you're going in. And I also like the sort of hard line starting point of these are bad is a good place for people who are newer to Rails to start from. And as you learn the ups and downs of callbacks, that nuance the guides are pointing out, then you can be more comfortable, you can be more able to use this tool.
1: If you look into the Rails source code, you go into Active Record Lib Active Record Callbacks, they have a huge amount of code documentation as well, which I think is really nice for a lot of reasons. Built as a user of callbacks and someone who is trying to get more information, it's fabulous. It reads like the guides, but it's slightly different. It has different examples, more broken down into the parts of the callbacks. I think it's really cool that they do that.
0: It's communicating the same information as the guides, but it's maybe aimed to a different audience, someone that's going to look into the source code rather than look into the guides. The, the comments in that file are ridiculous, and I love them. There are 452 lines in that file, and 56 of them are code. Just wow.
1: Yeah. They have this really cool section called debugging callbacks. And I'm intrigued that it's not in the docs because I've always looked for a way that you can access the callbacks in the Rails console, chain off of the model name to figure out what's there. Because I feel like you could utilize that if you don't want to look at the code, but you want to make a new record, you want to know what's happening. It'd be nice to just see them and they tell you how, but they only tell you how in the code.
0: I wonder where the line is to decide, does this go in the guides? Does this go somewhere else? Does this just live in the code as a comment? And what kind of threshold needs to pass before it makes it into something so publicly facing?
1: Well, now that we're talking about documentation, I feel like that's something I struggle with every day. Like, where can I put this very specific piece of information that I want everyone to have, but I don't really want to put it in the code base? I don't know. Maybe I just should. Take a hint from the Rails team and just put it in the code base.
0: I've loosened up on comments in code as I've gone along. I am much more okay just throwing some comments in there. Uh, when I've meta-programmed, I will throw a few comments in that look like what someone might grep the code base for. But because a method might be dynamically defined, it won't be there. But someone might look for this phrase or that phrase, and I'll put that in a comment and be like, here, this is what you're looking for right here. This code makes that method.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you on behalf of everyone who reads it. I hope I stumble upon it someday and I can be like, yes, thank you.
0: The other place I love for stuff like that are your commit messages. That's sort of what that's built for, right, is to have these things that are close to the code that will change when the code changes. But it's not something as direct as the comment is because it also requires building a culture of good commit messages in your team. If not everyone is leaving good commit messages, then running git blame, looking at the commit message is very often not going to be helpful. And then you'll stop doing it. And maybe there is a great commit message in there somewhere.
1: Gosh, so true. And yeah, you'll want to parse through a bunch of bad commits and then just looking for a couple of good ones. You want to trust that what you're looking for is going to be there. I never think to use commits as documentation, probably because I'm bad at writing them. Now I have to check myself
0: I think we're all bad at writing commit messages. There are some outliers, to be sure. I've seen some amazing commit messages that are paragraphs that tell the story and all of the business logic and conversations that went into a one-line change, and I love it. But that is really hard to do consistently well, and it's definitely an outlier. But when I see it, I'm in awe.
1: Yes, that person deserves prize. For sure. And probably should teach all of us how to do it.
0: I'll plug my talk about commit messages. It'll be in the show notes. And I do love putting an ASCII art flowchart into commit messages. So that is one time that I will go the extra mile just because it feels so over the top and nerdy to put a flowchart in a commit message. I will do it for that.
1: That's amazing. I mean, another great way to make sure people read your commit.
0: ASCII art and just make it something that people want to go look at.
1: Yeah, I'm more inclined to read the ones that have a lot of swear words and clearly something went wrong and I want to know what went wrong. Like the drama of a commit message really draws me in. And if I certainly have ever saw a message that said using around save in order to accomplish some really complex task with a lot of reasons why and things they tried, things that didn't work, why this works really well. I would be really excited.
0: I'm going to go to GitHub and search for Around Save and commit message headlines and see if there are some good commits out there now, because, yeah, Around just seems so vague. I don't know what it does.
1: I'm going to try to use one. If I get the feedback I'm expecting from my team, I will send it to you in screenshots so we can laugh about it later.
0: Your team has a custom RuboCop rule about callbacks, doesn't it?
1: We do. We do. We just started a new app. So it's fresh. We love it so much and we want it to be exactly what we want it to be. In our previous app, we had a lot of callbacks and I was fighting a callback bug last week. So we're really trying to avoid callback hell. And yes, so we're using a custom RuboCoff rule that says, warning, you're using a callback here. Consider not doing that. You should not. Not that you should never. So it's just a warning on the commit.
0: Nice. I love hearing about these custom... Rubicop rules that programmatically enforce team decisions, team norms, team culture, that kind of thing. I think that's a tool that I don't reach for enough that would be super useful.
1: Yeah, I really like it. I love your point. Building team norms built into your daily workflow. I want more of those.
0: I wonder if there's something there that can help with one of my hesitations about callbacks. Or maybe hesitations to not using callbacks is when there is some sort of side effect that has to happen when something has changed in order for the system to continue functioning. How can you, if you put that into a service object that is orchestrating these different things, How can you make sure that someone who comes along to the code base two years later, you're gone, everybody that's on the team with you at the time is gone. Sorry about your turnover, for one, but they don't know that that service class needs to be used every time you create XYZ record, and a callback is a way to enforce that, but comes along with all of the trade-offs that might be unrelated to what you're trying to do.
1: That's a really good point.
0: Could you make a custom cop that if the listeners don't know a cop is what RuboCop calls its rules. Could you make a custom cop that would see user.create and throw a little message that says you should use XYZ service class for that instead?
1: Oh, I love that. That's getting fancy. I love being fancy.
0: Maybe I'm over indexed on this, but I find that I, I think about that future programmer a lot when I'm writing code is like, is this going to be intuitive to use if you have no context about it?" and that I think is the thing that either pushes me into or takes me out of callbacks most often is thinking about somebody that has to live with this that's the the kind of thing that when you submit a pull request to an open source repo, you're basically saying, "Here, maintain this for life and you're kind of doing that with your team and your future team at your company.
1: Mm. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Responsible callback, you said.
0: Callback responsibly.
1: Be a hero you'll want to see in the world.
0: One of the other things that I didn't know about callbacks is some of the convenience methods that you get, like after destroy commit is a method instead of after commit and then passing on destroy as an option. And I just really love methods that bake in specific options like that. I I find I've written those a couple of times as a wrapper around another method. All it does is call that method, pass the arguments through, and hard code that option. But I just love that that is there for us.
1: That is really nice. A little alias that says after commit, pass it the message, and it's on destroy, for example.
0: Yeah, essentially. I don't know how it's implemented, but if I had to guess, it's probably takes the argument, calls after commit, and passes on and merges it into the option, Thash.
1: That's exactly what it does. Like, you know how to write code. Yeah, I just pulled up the doc because it's linked from the guide into the source code. That is really nice
0: kind of goes along with one of the not one of the big red blocks but one of the big yellow blocks in the guide for callbacks here that the after find callback is triggered by this list of methods that you might expect but also find by asterisk and that's referencing all the dynamic methods that get made with the column names of your models and those can be troublesome because like where did that come from and if you don't know that active record does that it can be kind of confusing but again it's baking in that option and i like little convenience methods like that
1: oh yes me too like find by email pass it thing i feel like it's speaking to the lazy developer and all of us who just want to be able to like tab to the autocomplete or like have an expectation that it's gonna work to your point rails is really good to us in that it pretty much provides you anything you could guess and i think this is a really good example a little love for callback
0: I had to be in there somewhere One of the the things that's right below that yellow box or another way that callbacks are like validations is that some methods run the callbacks and some methods don't run the callbacks. Mm. And I don't know if maybe it wasn't surprising, but I hadn't really thought about it. The difference between delete and destroy, I've always kind of wondered, well, like, why are these two things? But delete skips callbacks and validations and destroy doesn't.
1: That blew my mind. I feel like it's something I should know by now as a nine-year-old Rails developer that when you call certain methods, they don't do everything that you expect them to do. And I think I actually don't use delete properly. Like I never use delete. Maybe I could find some places that I can experiment with now that I really know and I'm thinking about it. Something new today.
0: That's the whole reason that we started this project is there are a lot of things that Rails gives us out of the box. And if you don't go digging around for it, or if you haven't had the specific use case where someone comments on a PR you made, you'd never find out.
1: Lovely. Thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance to learn something new.
0: The interesting thing though is that the set of methods that run the callbacks and the set of methods that skip the callbacks is almost exactly the same as the set of methods that run and skip the validations. And I'm wondering why touch all and toggle are different because touch all skips callbacks and validations, but toggle and touch run callbacks, but skip validations. And I could see that being a pothole that you could step into pretty easily. Although I didn't know about toggle until today, so maybe not that easily.
1: Yeah, I love the word toggle and unlike around. I actually can't imagine what toggle does. They
0: just assumed that it turns a false into a true or something like that. But I don't actually know.
1: Man, you really know your stuff. That's like exactly what it does. I want to use that because then you don't have to think about what you're toggling to, right?
0: I've written so many React hooks that are handle toggle or use toggle or something like that. And it was sitting right here in Rails and I didn't even know.
1: Incredible yeah, I think I have use for this in my daily work. And then I'm going to add a callback and I'll have learned everything we talked about here that I didn't know about in like one sitting.
0: So should we wrap up?
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the show. For the next episode, myself and a guest to be named later will be reading Active Record Associations in the Rails Guides. If you have feedback or constructive compliments, we can be reached on Twitter at underscore tightly coupled and on Mastodon at tightly coupled at ruby.social or email us at tightlycoupled.dev at gmail.com. Show notes can be found in your podcast player or tightlycoupled.dev. See you later.
1: Bye. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening.
0: I believe. just came in and threw the little dog into the room it's like, she she knows what's going on here that could have been in the middle of some gold recording oh. Oh,
1: honey. she Rina knew it i needed to see yes. little dog
0: yes. dear you didn't eat your poop today did you before you licked my face